the podcast. I am your hostess, Ebony Ishea Holyfield, aka EEH. And today's episode is very different because I am bringing on my first guest ever. I'm having a conversation with Mia Dunlap. Mia and I went to Spelman College together. She's one of the funniest people that I know. She's brilliant. She's so inspirational. She's a go-getter and just all around a beautiful soul. I am bringing her to the process of podcast because we have a very interesting relationship. As I stated, we went to Spelman College together, but once we graduated, we kind of went our separate ways due to a falling out. Well, it's definitely not a kind of, we definitely went our separate ways due to this fallout and it led us to not speak to one another for over four years. And so we recently came back into one another's lives this year this year 2020 so this is very fresh and this is very new and um, I wanted to bring you all in on this conversation about healing as friends especially as an adult and so a lot of people don't talk about what that sounds like what that looks like what that feels like and so I wanted to invite you all to be a fly on the wall to listen to our conversation as we kind of dissect and figure out where the breakdown happened and um, us choosing to push forward as friends today and what healing looks like for us specifically. I want to be very clear that this episode is not about choosing sides. It's about just showing that people can heal in a respectful and an effective way um, and get to their goal of having a healthy quality friendship, even if some things went down in the past. I hope you all enjoy this conversation. There will be a part two because it got a bit lengthy, but without further ado, here's my conversation with Mia Dunlap. Hi, Mia. Hey, Ebony and Shea. <laughs> <laughs> I am so happy that um, you are willing to do this podcast episode with me. So for my followers, this is the incredible Mia Dunlap. To let you know a little bit about Mia, Mia is a writer. She is a culture consultant, (laughs) also a life coach, a talk show host, and to me, one of the funniest people that I know. (laughs) Just all around like an emotionally intelligent, mature human being. And I have yeah. to have her on this show. Thank you, Ebony. I'm so excited to be here and to be doing this with you. Um, and I'm grateful for the invitation and also for um, us having kindred spirits and being able to do some incredible work together. I'm like, oh, I wonder why we haven't done this long ago uh, or some version of this. So I'm glad to be working with you. Yes. So did I leave out anything when I was saying what you do? Um, 
I am a life coach. Um, and so I work with folks who are in transitions in their lives or who are taking risks in some ways. And so um, that's an exciting part of the work that I do. Um, it's not the primary work, but it's really an exciting part, um, particularly because I work with folks who are who span the gamut from first generation college grads to people who are, um, I, have, I work with somebody who's a dentist and a veterinarian. I also work with someone who um, is going through college and needs some additional support. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a myriad of folks and I really love that part of the work that I do. That's awesome. Okay, so I have never done a podcast episode with a guest before. So <laughs> we're going to just roll. Yeah, first time. Yes, that's a part of the process, right? Doing some new things and learning as you go. So my motto for this year has been done is better than perfect. So I have my, um, my notes. So once again, I just want to thank you for uh, being willing and open to have this vulnerable and candid conversation with me. And I believe that our journey as friends, as well as our individual path, hold some weight and have some power to potentially be able to heal some of the listeners today. But in the very least, I think that it would create a healthy conversation, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I would just like to kind of like set some expectations and let you know that my goal is for this conversation, um, for us to just be honest with one another and to be truthful, to be brave enough to express our truth and to know that is a safe space and a no judgment zone and I don't want any one of us to feel attacked in any shape or form and uh -oh, so I'm getting scared <laughs> and I know they're probably like Ebony why are you saying all of this I'm saying it because me though me and I are on this uh call together and we are conversing with one another before a month and a half ago we had not seen each other or had an in-depth conversation in over four years. This is very fresh and new for us. And I wanted to be able to invite you all as listeners into something that would have been a private conversation just between me and her. So I'm allowing you to be a fly on the wall, uh, come into our living room with us while we're virtually sipping margaritas, just really be able to hear our candid conversation. So that's what this is all about. So one of the reasons why I have my notes here is because when I thought about having this conversation with you, I saw all of these different quotes. And so I was like, oh, that'd be really cool if I included some of these quotes to kind of guide us through the conversation. So with that being said, um, one of the first quotes that I would like to bring up is this quote by T.D. Jakes. And he said that you don't get to choose who wounds you and you don't get to choose who heals you. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, let's talk a little bit about our wounds. In your opinion, if we took our uh, listeners to the beginning of where some of our issues started, what did that look like for you? Um, I, I think I would want to start, Ebony, with like the beauty in our friendship that happened before the wounds, because I think it would make sense 
for um, folks to know like the impact of the wound and how um, incredible that wound was because of how beautiful our friendship was before then. Um, and so I was saying this to you earlier, but uh, we really, we met at Spelman. So we became exceptionally close our senior year to the point where I drove Ebony's car. Uh, <laughs> as she was telling me how to get to her mom's house. So um, yes, we became really close our senior year. And then thereafter we were exceptionally close. Uh, we would talk almost daily. Something. So j just for people to understand about the car situation, I was um, inebriated. Uh, <laughs> I had a four loco. I don't know if anybody remembers four locos, but they have been taken off the shelves because people were like literally dying. And I think that I was on the verge of death. And so Mia is from Chicago. And so you know, most people up north or sometimes they don't have their license. And so that was a situation with Mia. So it was like a risk for us to um, have like the inebriated one or the person who doesn't know how to drive. So, <laughs> Mia hopped in the driver's seat. And so we got really close. We've had a lot of <laughs> funny experiences together. Um, and I would venture to say, Ebony, that we were, we would have caught, we, and we've talked about this before, we, have, we would, we didn't use these terms, but we would have called each other best friends at that time um, because of how exceptionally close we were with each other. That's sort of the context of our friendship. We walked through the Spelman Arch together, which is like a big deal, who you walk with um, through the arch. And so um, we did that together and held hands as we did it. And so we were really close friends. And then, um, I mean, I think you can tell the story way better than I, but I'll start off uh, in terms of, there was a point where I was having a lot of success in my life. Like I was like, I don't know, I had gotten a job straight out of Spelman. I had, I think my first, I was making close to $60,000 upon graduation. Um, and so I was like, oh, let me get up, go to New York and, you know, live there and continue to thrive. And as close as Ebony and I were, I felt really, really sad um, because Ebony was at a point where she was like having a hard time in her life and was struggling. And I was having this like, um, um, what is it? Like employment success or like the outside success happening for me. And so it looked like, oh my gosh, Mia is like really thriving. And I did, and I was, right, financially and in terms of my work. Um, and I was also doing some healing work and that kind of thing. And so anyway, at some point, Ebony's life began to take a shift. And I don't know how much of the story I can share, um, but it's not mine to share. So Ebony can fill in some gaps later. So... Ebony was looking for a job. And so I was connected in a charter school world. And I was like, um, why don't you come? We set a date, right? For her to come from that, I don't know, Monday until that Friday. And so I was like, yeah, come that month. It's my spring break. I'll set up some um, interviews for you at some, um, some of the places where I've worked, whatever. And so she came, I stayed in the little studio apartment, y'all, in New York, nine and a half years. I can't believe I stayed there that long. Um, so she came and 
she stayed for that amount of time, stayed in the studio together. And um, what I was like, what my state of mind was like, how do I help my friend um, feel the kind of success, feel like good and like, if I'm connected and my friend is connected, that kind of thing. And so um, what's interesting is like Ebony, our, I feel like our personalities are interesting with each other. So it was a lot of like, at first I was like, oh, I'll take you, I'll show you. And then probably by day three or four, I'm like, mm-mm, girl, you go ahead. You, it's right up here, Hillside, you get there. You can like take the trip. But I'm like, I can't, you know how you have guests after a while, it's like, all, all right, y'all, like, y'all go, I gotta, I'm, I'm gonna sit back, I'm gonna sit tight, and it's New York City, so, um, that happened, and by day five, or day six, it was Friday, the day that Ebony was supposed to leave, and she's like, oh, I have an interview, can I stay until Sunday, and I was like, oh, no, in my head, I, it, this is the thought that was going in my head, I'm like, uh-uh, she can't stay till Sunday. Like, I am thinking. And you all know, like, energy is contagious. And so um, part of it was, like, I'm trying to help my friend. So I'm giving a lot of energy out helping my friend. I was also going through my own stuff that Ebony wasn't, like, may not be, like, um, may not have been emotionally available for. And I'm, like, I'm about to put this on her. So I was, like, feeling myself sinking into my own depression and my own hurt. And, like, I have old wounds, too. And so I was, like, healing and doing my own work and so while it was really really great to have her in New York with me and be able to support her those five six days it was my vacation right it was my spring break from work and so I was like I was looking forward to just having two days just to be naked to cry to be in my bed to ache to whatever I need to do and so when she said, because she stayed two days, I was like, wow, how do I both take care of myself and like hold my own boundary to like, I, y'all, I can't have any more company at this point. Like I actually need to be with myself to also being there for her because she, like she was at a very like hard place in her life. And so I didn't know the answer to that question at the time. What I knew to do was say like, hey, you know, see if there's somebody else in New York you can stay with. Um, she was like, no, there isn't. I'm like, Ebony, I gotta, like, I'm, I, I, I'm gonna ride my bike. I wanna take care of myself. I just wanna be, like, I wanna be with myself. Um, and once I get into work, like, the, there is no stopping. Like, every, every dollar I got when I made that money, you worked for. So we were in the, and you can ask anybody who works in a charter school world, we were there to like 10, 11 o'clock at night every day. So it was crazy my first and second and third year at um, the charter school in New York. It's a big name charter school. And so, everybody's working their behinds off and I'm like oh I just need two days to just like break um but my friend also needed me and so I felt like I was caught between a rock and a hard place and I was like well what do you choose and so I said to her um no Ebony I need this space can you please find somebody to stay with in New York and it wasn't like it was an argument or anything like that it was just like she said, no, I don't have anybody else to stay with. Why can't I stay here? And I was like, I, I just want to be able to just like be, excuse me. And so she left. And I guess in that moment, what I thought was she understood 
in my mind, I was like, oh, she gets it. But I don't think I explained it to this extent that I'm explaining it now. Um, and so our friendship was not the same from that moment forward. And she would come to New York and I'll be like, well, why is she not seeing me? Or why she hasn't come stay with me? Why she hasn't? And, and for like, I, I, there was a couple of times where I reached out, I'm like, hey, you know, let's talk. And it was like, not a lot of responses, like one or two word answers. I'm like, okay, so clearly that, would, that one really left. Um, and I didn't know what to do about it. Like, I was sorry. And I also was like, kind of proud of myself. Um, and I was like, shoot, like, what do I do if I have a friend who needs me and I also need myself? Um, I agree with most of the things that you said. Um, but one of the things that I feel like where it is a disconnect is that I did not understand or have the, the concept that you just explained. Mm -hmm. Never had the conversation with me. So, and the type of person that I am, I'm non-confrontational and I was in a place in my life where I needed this badly. So I felt like I had to pivot and shift. I had no choice but to figure out how to survive, so to speak, in the situation. So there's nothing that I can do to make you change your mind. So I, there's no point to argue and I probably wouldn't like naturally do that. So I just adjusted. And to give people some clarity on like what I was going through, um, it was my first time really experiencing depression. I feel like I had a lot of losses back to back. Um, we were in the middle of a recession when we graduated in 2010. So it was very hard to find a job. And I just didn't imagine graduating from Spelman College and not being able to find a job and being in a struggle with that. And I had all these big plans in my life, like I'm going to get paid well. I'm going to have my own place. And then to see your friend thriving. Um, so you know it's possible, but it's not working that way for you. And so it was just a lot of confusion and thoughts. And my best friend at the time of 10 years, like made a conscious decision that we don't need to be friends anymore. And I never got clarity on why we shouldn't be friends or why she didn't want to continue to, to build in that relationship. And so that was very hard for me to grapple with as well. And um, the love of my life at the time, we broke up. And so it was just like a series of losses. And then I had some like personal things happening with my family and just a lot of change there. So I was just at the end of my rope. Um, I was living with my grandparents. I decided to move in with them and they're the sweetest people. And I was living like in a small room out of a suitcase. So I was just in a very uncomfortable space in life. And so I would talk to Mia all the time. And we kind of one day just said, let's make a game plan. And like, what can we do to get you out of this rut? And the only thing that I could think of was getting out of my situation physically. So I got all of my savings and bought a ticket with it, went to New York and the plan was to stay there for a week and go on job interview after job interview. Mia, like she said, set up some interviews for me. I reached out to some of our Spellhouse uh, friends and they told me about some opportunities and so I go there, hit the ground running. And um, as you know, like we're trying to find a job, like it's not a quick thing. So you just go to an interview and they're like, okay, I'll get back with you. So fingers crossed, like 
I hope I hear something by the time that I leave, right? And so I do remember you getting to a point where you're like, Ebony, like you can go to the interview by yourself, which I don't know if you know, um, but that even rubbed me the wrong way a little bit because New York is not like your regular city. Like this is not jump in your car, put it in your um, maps app and get there. I'm on not understanding like how these streets work and I'm trying to get there on time I'm in like a professional outfit like try not to sweat out everything I have <laughs> and I remember when you you were like Ebony just go for it by yourself I don't think I even said anything back concerning that I made it by the grace of God but it was just that I had to make this work so I do remember feeling some type of way about that but um jumping to the point where one of the the jobs called me back on a Friday. And so they were like, Ebony, we were really interested in you um, coming back for a second interview and it will be on Monday. I was supposed to leave, I think that Saturday. I think that Friday, I think we were, do we were like, let's do Friday to Friday. Okay. Whatever my last day was, I think that that's when I heard back from the people. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, this is great. This is what we wanted to happen. However, I was supposed to leave today. So let me see if I can extend this to right after the interview on Monday. Had that conversation with Mia. As Mia explained, she, she wanted some time to herself. And I feel like I almost kind of like tried to beg you to a certain extent or just give you some other options like me I'll stay out of your way um like whatever it is that you have to do like I'll sit on this side of the room you can have the other side because the space was small and then I do remember you bringing up about the bike and now that really threw me for a loop so I'm like I can't stay here because you want to go outside to ride your bike we don't even have to be on each other for that process to happen so I just couldn't wrap my mind around everything, but um, decided just to go with the flow and had no one to stay with. And so I ended up reaching out to one of my friends that um, I knew like in fourth grade and she was doing some type of like study, um, not a study of exchange. Some type of exchange program, yes, um, at a school in New York. And so I went and stayed at her dorm. She had like a blow up mattress slept there, went to my interview on that Monday and got out. I didn't even really tell my family about it. And I think that when we kind of talked about this briefly before, Mia was like, oh, I, th I thought you told your grandmother. I told her after the fact. Um, and I knew that I couldn't tell my mom because like most black moms, if they know that you're not where you originally were going to be and there's some type of conflict, the number one thing that they're going to say is, come back home but I knew that I couldn't go back home because the goal was to try to get this job to sum it all up went on the job interview everything worked out fine got back home but ever since then it shifted our relationship and I it made me feel unsafe and it made me feel like I was kind of just like thrown out there and I could understand where you were coming from to a certain extent about having your own space and things like that, but I just couldn't connect the dots on what our original plan was. And the goal was to get a follow-up interview. And even though I knew that it would be inconvenient for you, like I thought maybe we could just suck it up for those few days type of thing. How I felt at the moment was like, put me out. 
like I felt put out on the streets of New York and um, kind of had to like fend for myself. And I just knew that I wouldn't have done that. Um, so that was just a major shift in our relationship. So, yeah, I think a couple things come to mind. Um, first, I am like excruciatingly sorry um, that our relationship even had to come to that, um, that those, those kinds of decisions had to be, or not had to be made, but were made, um, that I made that decision um, and that you had to have that experience, that you had that experience. Um, I think the thing that's kept us prior to then as friends is the purity and the authenticity of our hearts that connected. Um, and so I feel like we knew, yeah, like we knew each other's hearts and that's what kept us in row with each other and in tow and like being able to be as close as we were. And I also knew my own heart. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I, I would never ever hurt a friend of mine, especially um, intentionally and especially not someone as close as you and I were. Um, I, I mean, part of me felt like what I understood at the time, I think we were 25, 26, what I understood at the time was, shoot, like I am also going through something and what happens, like what do I do when I am also experiencing something and um, I don't have a friend available for that. Like Ebony would have been my friend, you would have been my friend, Eb, um, and you weren't like emotionally available for that. And so it's like, well, how do I take care of myself? And I hear you saying like, there was an original plan for you to get a job, like that was the intention. In my mind, the, like the intention was like, Ebony comes to New York and she interviews for a few jobs and um, it'll be to Friday. And that's what I knew and that's what I understood. So I'm like, yeah, Mia, I, I don't care if you give away your whole week, have some time for yourself because when you hit the ground running Monday at work, it's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be crazy. And so um, I also felt like there was a part of me that felt like this, this situation didn't feel fair. I, I feel like I've cycled back to that a couple of times where for myself, where I'm like, yo, I was her friend through all of that stuff. Like, her best friend of 10 years was gone her, with like no real explanation. The love of her life like left. And I'm like, I would, that's heavy to carry. As somebody that's your like closest friend at that time, that was heavy to carry. And I'm like, I was there. Like I get no credit for being there for that. No credit for being there for the love of the life leaving. And I was still like, this is my friend. I'm gonna carry her as much as I can, as much as like I have to carry. And then I'm like, yeah, come to my studio apartment with me, stay a week. And we're about to like find you some jobs and send you to some interviews. It's, it, was, it was like emotionally, like it took a toll, but I'm like, I'll take that toll for my friend because yeah, if in the same situation, I would I absolutely want somebody to do for me what I was able to do for you at that time. And so that's not why I did it, but I did it because I'm like, this is my friend and this is what I know to do in this situation. And so that was hard. And then like the family stuff you were going through, I'm like, crap, I felt really helpless. Like, what could I do? Like, is there anything I can do to make her feel better, to make her better, like to steal her depression away? To, and as I was doing that, it was like, 
pulling stuff out of me and I'm like, okay, Mia, you gotta, re- you gotta re-up. Like who's, who's pouring into me as I'm pouring, pouring into you? Um, and so I was on empty and it's like, well, what do you do when you're on empty? You, you stop the car and you tell everybody like, y'all gotta, y'all gotta help me push. Y'all got, like, I didn't know like what that meant or like what I was supposed to do in that situation. And it still brings me aches because I'm like, I missed my friend for all of those years because I didn't really know how to be in that kind of situation. Like I didn't know what to do. And I think in hindsight, now what I would do is be like, um, let's go to a hotel. Like I'm gonna go to, or I'm gonna put you up in a hotel. I mean, I do need some alone time. Like I, I'm on E, I'm like falling and I don't know, like I can't, I don't have a railing to hold on to. Um, I also don't, didn't have family in New York. And so it was also, you know, when also when guests are in town, it takes a lot of energy to be like, okay, I'm gonna get up and take you. So that meant like for me, for those first few days, I couldn't do anything on my break. It was like, yes, Ebony is staying with you. And you're also taking Ebony to her interviews, getting on a train. You're like, so I'm exerting all of that energy too. And so I was like, this feels kind of like at, at some points during our four year gap, it felt like, I'm like, dang, it felt, it kind of feels thankless. Like I, I gave so much of myself. And because there was a time that I said, no, like this won't work for me. It was like, okay, well, she said no. She can't, I can't say. And it's like, well, I didn't throw her out. I said, no. And like, when do I get to say no? Like, do I, when, when was the point that I got to say no in that whole time? And it's like the one time I said no, like the song, it was like, I never said yes to anything. And so. But I think that the no was so traumatic for me. It wasn't that, it wasn't the fact that it was a no. It was yeah. the, and that would have to come with it. It's right. like, as of my note, now you're on the streets of New York and you need to find some place to go. You feel unsafe. And I had never been in that situation. And I also feel like because of everything else that I had going on, it was just like the straw that kind of like broke the camel's back where it's like, oh, okay, like I'm really out here alone type of thing. And I don't, honestly, I don't think that I would have had as much of an issue with the no had you said no and I was in a space like in Atlanta where I had a mom to go to, a dad to go yeah. to. I'm going to no place. Like yeah. roller decks and find a friend from fourth grade. So it wasn't so much the no as much as it was like what what would have to happen because of that. Yeah. But isn't that like life though? Like there are, there are times when we tell people no, we don't know the impact of like this no is for me like I get and, and for me like my hands are really ashy for me I have <laughs> <laughs> <It's fine. laughs> for me I have said for at that time it was like I've said a lot of yeses even in times where I'm like shoot I really don't have this to give I don't have this energy to give I don't have this like um space in me to give this but I'm like I'm gonna suck it up and it was like oh I couldn't keep sucking up um and I feel like there are no's in our lives that we don't know the impact of saying no for other people um but it's the like what what does a no for like being able to say no for me do right for myself and I'm like I didn't spiral out of control like I literally for me I like I don't have any family in New York and my I have like traumatic relationships with my mother and father so it's like Mia if you spiral and you go down and you can't go to work or you feel like um, 
like you're in bed and you're like, una- like you don't have anybody to reach. I didn't have anybody. And so I'm like, I am my mother. I am my caretaker. And so when do, and I felt like I was also pouring out to you a ton and I love doing it. I love having it and being able to do it. And it was like, I wasn't getting anything in return, right? Like I, it was nothing coming back to me. And so it, it was because you couldn't, there were still things like happening in my own life. And I felt like I couldn't really tend to that because I was attending to you and our relationship and what you needed, which felt amazing for me to be able to do. Like, I still be, I still love that I was able to be there for you in that time. And I hate the way it ended. And I was like, well, that's the best I knew how to do with my 25, 26 year old brain at the time. Um, and God knows I wish it would, it could have been different. Um, and that I had the communicative skills to be able to express this in this way. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. And when you said about being on E and the car, like stopping as in you, I wish that you could have communicated that as well, because then it may not have been hey, it's on E or about to get on E. So Ebony, get out and I'll holler at you later. It could have been like, well, if we do get on E, me and you can push this together. I feel like there could have been some type of way we could have come together without one person being left out. Yeah, to have to go find their own ride. Yeah, I think that too. And I I wish that, or I wish that, um, I don't know that, you would have been able to help push my car because you also were not filled, right? Like you, so I don't know that you would have been, a help, been able to help get out and push that. I probably would have been like, let's both abandon this car for right now. Um, let's both, right? Like, and I probably would have gone to a hotel or said like, Eb, can I pay for you? Like I'll go into my own savings and pay for you to go to a hotel for a night or until Sunday. I'm an extreme um, extrovert. And so I'm a life of the party. I can have a lot of fun, but I also, when I need to retreat and I need to like re-up and have, and gas up and have new energy, I do that in solitude. And so I knew when, in our plan, like I prepared for that. In our plan, it was like, I'm just going to leave on this day. I'm going to have two days to just be by myself and re-up to ache and to do all the things I need to do for myself um, with nobody here. And so on that day, when you got that call, it was like, no beautiful she got the call beautiful she might get the job beautiful 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 and damn I gotta take care of myself like how do I how do I take care of myself in this moment too um and take care of my friend so that anyway that was really such a hard decision and obviously um it cost a ton I don't know if you saw that quote on my Instagram recently where it's like as an adult, the hardest thing is knowing that two things could be true at the same time. But like what I'm holding is both of those things could be true at the same time, right? Yeah. You could both need um, a yes from me um, because what I felt like is I, I fulfilled my part of the obligation. Like we said, you stay a week. You stayed a week. We stayed the time until and the day that you were supposed to leave. I think we were also actually on the phone figuring out if you can extend your... Um, your ticket. I remember like that happening, like us being on the phone and calling the travel agency and like how much was it and all that stuff. Um, and we were hyped about you getting a job opportunity, but then it was like, you got to stay to Monday. And I'm like, mm, okay. Yeah. Um, and so holding both those truths of like, 
the note impacted you and it impacted you and it made, it triggered some abandonment in you. It triggered like, like, you know, that somebody left you out to go to the wolves. For me, the truth I was holding is like, you all made an agreement. She stayed for five days. You've given to your friend. You've listened, you've poured. And like, absolutely, like I would be remiss if I didn't say that you have been there for me prior to that. And like, we've been in our relationship together and like the closest of friends. Like we have three, four hour conversations, almost date, like we, we were friends, right? And so uh, th I, there is no confusion um, that I want to give to anybody that we weren't friends and that we were there for each other. And so at, our needs were different. And I think that that's okay. And so when you came to New York and we had like, you'd say the days that we said, I felt like I didn't do anything wrong in saying, um, like I maintained my end of the deal. And so it feel it like it felt flabbergasting. Even now I get like a little, um, I don't know, the, the feeling in my belly of like anxiety. I don't know, something of like, but yeah, I, I, I felt like, and I guess this is not like who, who was right or who, were wrong, who was wrong, but like, I felt like I held my end of the deal. And because I didn't want to extend my end of the deal, it's like, well, you threw me to the wolves. You didn't know where I was going to go. It was your responsibility to say yes. So I didn't go out there and have to fend for myself. And like, I was in the middle of New York city and like, you didn't know what happened to me because you wanted to take care of yourself and not extend your end of the deal. It's like, dang, like I get that and that truth I'm holding, the impact of what it had on you. And like, I did the best I could with what I knew how at the time. And so like, I'm having grace with myself while also like having grace with crap. Like I didn't know, I didn't know that that no would be that big of an impact on my, my friend. And I did not mean for that to happen. Can I say something? Yeah. yeah. It left me with a little confusion as well because I think that one of the remedies was, I'll stay out of your way. If I have to walk the streets of New York from sunup to sundown and then just sleep here, but then that still wasn't an option. So yeah, I had a little apartment. Like I have a studio apartment. It wasn't staying out of each other's way for me. Like it was, Mia lives in a one room apartment. My, my apartment was one room and like the bed was next to like up against. And so like the space wasn't like somebody go to the other side of a room or like, it was like, I'm saying if I walked the streets of New York all day and all night and just literally came here to lay my head. Yeah, like, in my mind that that what made sense for me, what like what made sense and what I knew I needed at that time was like I need to um like I need to have the time. Like in the middle of this, there are times like I wake up and you can ask the person I dated, I wake up sweating and crying in the middle of the night. Like when I left my last job as a principal, I was waking up three and four o'clock in the morning, like wailing. <gasps> oh my, oh my God. Oh, like, because work was that incredibly hard. And yes, I made a lot of money, but it was like incredibly like, it was almost like a mind fuck sometimes. Crap, a mind mess sometimes. <laughs> and so like, I knew I needed like the time and space. And it was like, well, why can't I have two days where I probably without going back before I go back to work to just be like, what is the crime in that? And I hear you saying the crime was that you felt abandoned. You felt like your friend wasn't there for you. You had to go fend for yourself for two days in New York. You still were committed to the job opportunity. And so going back home at that time wasn't an option for you. And I'm like, for me, I'm like, what is the option for me? I'm like, y'all, I actually know myself. And I'm like, 
I don't want this to turn into a toxic situation where she's there for two days and I'm like, hey, good morning. Ugh. Like, I don't want to do that either, right? Like, I wanted to make sure that I, I don't want to be nasty, right? Because I'm like, well, what happens when you're on E? I don't know. I don't know that self, but I just know that I'm sinking and I feel myself sinking. And what do I do? Like, I need to re-up. I need, like, the space to do whatever in this, like, 400-foot apartment, which is nothing. No, it was something. I'm grateful for my apartment in New York. But my point is, <laughs> what I did was the best I knew how at the time. And I'm really sorry that it, um, it had an impact on us in this way. I feel like we could go on and on about it. But um, yes, so that was a long answer to what our wound was. So I will quickly go to back to that quote where it says, um, you don't get to choose who wounds you and you don't get to choose who heals you. And so the healing part, the forgiveness is something that I definitely wanna touch on as well. Before we dive deeper into forgiveness and the reasons behind why we decided to pivot and choose one another again to be friends and to continue to do life with one another, I'm going to put a pin in it right here for now. So there will be a part two. Be sure to check out that episode if you're interested in hearing more of our healing process. And until then, remember that life is a process, including our friendships as an adult and remember most importantly choosing healing is also a process it is not an overnight situation it requires communication it requires putting your ego at the door and it requires being open-minded and most importantly moving forward i hope you've enjoyed this conversation i hope it is uh, proving to heal your heart and inspire you to go after the relationships that you do want and to do the self-work in order to do that until next time know that i love you for listening and have a beautiful day.